Do you want to protect yourself and your business from anything unjust that may come your way? Then this podcast is for you. Former Utah Attorney General John Swallow has helped thousands of people protect themselves, defend, and find justice during his 30 years of experience in law. If you're looking for honest and helpful legal advice, then we have exactly what you need on Case Closed with John Swallow. All righty, we are back again with John Swallow. Thank you for inviting me back on the show. I love to be here, and I just love sitting here and learning from you. Well, thank you. I hope that I have something that would be of value to you. (laughs) Well, not only to me, but today we have a topic that I think is going to be able to help so many people that are in kind of dire situations right now. And that topic is, what do I do if I get sued? And that is a huge topic I know to you because you've handled so probably so many cases, you've redirected people in so many different ways. But just hearing that, I want to first ask, what are the most common lawsuits where people can get sued? I know there's a handful, but could you just kind of maybe touch on a few and go into details saying like, this is the situation. Like if you're in this situation, you should probably call someone. Right. Great question. And, you know, um, I'll just go back to an experience I had in my life. Um, Many years ago, when my oldest daughter was just in her early teens, we had a friend of hers over to our home. And it was a wintry day in Salt Lake City. And we had a north facing porch, which means that the sun didn't hit it very often and ice would build up. And so my, my, my daughter and her friend were goofing around and her friend ran out the front door and hit a patch of ice on the steps and fell down and broke her elbow. Mm. Now, the way a personal injury case works is that the lawyers who are engaged are, you know, determined to get money to compensate the victim, which is which is the fair and the right thing to do. I believe in that right, right? And, and I've handled personal injury cases myself and understand them very, very well. But what many people don't understand is that just because they have an insurance policy covering their home doesn't mean that they couldn't be sued by a plaintiff's attorney representing a victim of an accident that happened in their home, right? And so the very first thing to do when, when a lawsuit is started you are served, someone comes to your home, and I don't wanna get ahead of you in your question, but someone comes to your home and hands you a piece of paper which they basically staple to your chest. And many people are afraid of that. And many people will say, I wanna avoid that at all costs, but there's nothing to be afraid of. That just commences formally a process of litigation. So the last thing you wanna do is avoid being served with process because it doesn't really hurt your flu shot's gonna hurt a whole lot worse than getting handed <laughs> a piece of paper, right, at, the, at your doorstep. But once you get that piece of paper, you need to react in some way. You need to thank the person very much and close the door, and the next phone call you need to make is going to be either to your lawyer or to your insurance company, where you can give them or tender the lawsuit to them so they can investigate and defend you because in almost every single insurance policy, there's a requirement of the insurance company not only pay the damages, but also defend you from the lawsuit. And they will get their own lawyer involved or tell you that they won't. And then you can get your lawyer involved to defend your rights under under whatever happened, negligence rights. And you can say, oh, I, I, I actually shoveled the snow. Uh, actually, there, there wasn't snow and there wasn't ice. She just slipped because she tripped or whatever the defense might be. 
It's those little fine details that probably cost thousands upon thousands of dollars, just those little things. And that's why it's so important to know kind of which lawsuit um, you're kind of being served with. Right. Going into that, so the the personal injury cases are probably fairly rare because people are always getting hurt. What about some other or ones? Fairly common, you mean? Right? Very common, right. yes. Um, what are what are some other ones? Like more in the maybe like in the criminal cases in that sense. Like what what do those type look like? Or what's the definition of that? Right. So so if you're in a business relationship with someone and they think that you've done something wrong, they may your partner something, and they may think that you've breached an agreement or a promise, they can go to court and they can sue you. Um, if you're a mechanic working on a car and you do something wrong with the engine, when you're tweaking the engine and someone thinks that you've, you've done something to damage their vehicle and, and it's cost them more money, they can sue you in small claims court. And I wouldn't hesitate to call a lawyer about a small claims court matter because now jurisdictional limit or the amount that they can sue for has gone up to ten to $11,000, which, which makes a phone call to a lawyer you know, a good investment to make sure that you're thinking clearly. And most lawyers will visit with you for 30 minutes or 45 minutes and give you kind of a thumbnail of what they think about your case. There's no reason not to call and take advantage of that free advice that you can get on someone's website or on the phone or meeting with a lawyer in, in person. So there's, there's contract disputes, landlord-tenant disputes. If you feel like you know, your landlord's trying to kick you out and, and they tell you you have three days and you don't know whether you have to leave or not in three days. Well, there's a, there's a judicial process in almost every state that requires that a court order be entered after a judicial process where they have to serve you, give you a chance to respond before they can actually kick you out of the house. Many people don't know that. So there are landlord-tenant issues, contract issues on the criminal side. I mean, it seems like America, if it's anything, is overcriminalized, right? And so there are so many things that you can be investigated for. And, and so there are, there are prosecutions. And many times investigators will show up and knock on your door before you even are aware that someone's even looking into a situation. Um, if you have a DUI, for example, uh, you get a ticket, a speeding ticket. Some people will talk to a lawyer and find out what their rights are. And so in almost anything you can think of, I, I have a client who bought a piece of property and we discovered an easement that was undisclosed by the title company on the property. And so my client called me and we worked through a legal process to make sure that the insurance that they purchased when they bought a home, and by the way, anytime you buy a home or a piece of real property, which is land, you need to make sure that the seller is purchasing a policy of title insurance because Insurance means that there's someone who's guaranteeing that the title is in a, in a good situation for you and you can make a claim upon them if they've committed negligence in their review of the title for your home. And then that means there's a recovery and they'll usually pay for attorney's fees as well. And so in just about any, any facet of your life, um, if you're a baseball coach and someone makes an allegation that you slapped their child or did something inappropriate with their child or your school teacher and, and you're worried about something that may have happened in the classroom and you're worried that some 10 year old child is going to make something up because they want attention. And I've dealt with those issues as well. You, you want to understand what can happen to you and talk to a lawyer early on and make sure that you're not making mistakes. You're not being interviewed by anyone, any investigator, and that's my first rule is don't talk to anyone. I, I, before you talk to a lawyer, I, I have a client that people showed up at the workplace and wanted to interview several of their new employees that had just recently come over from another company. And I said, don't 
talk to them until we have a chance to understand what this is about. And because of that, we really saved my client from some damages that otherwise may have occurred. And so, you know, you ask me what kinds of things can involve a lawyer? The law intersects with every segment of our society. And so I, I tell people when they're facing a situation, they have to ask themselves, uh, what is at stake here? If it's something material or important that's at stake, if, if, if it's a big deal, always talk to a lawyer first. Always get advice first. And usually it's free to, to have that first consultation. And then you'll have some education about what to do moving forward and know. And that lawyer can let you know if it's really a serious matter or if it's something kind of inconsequential and you can just handle it on your own. Man, so almost anything under the sun can and will be sued for, or it has been in the past and it will be in the future. So it is always good to have somebody in that field that can help help give you knowledge, can help give you advice, and to potentially help get you out of a, a lot of trouble if something wrong happened, which it, is just amazing. And I'm so glad that that the world has people like you, John, and has so many people that are just willing to help. Kind of going, moving forward with what do I do if I get sued? You might have touched on it a little bit, but kind of the first thing, like if someone does come and knock on your door, like, and they, they give you a notice or something, how do you know if you've been properly sued? Like, what does that look like? Right, right. And, and really only a lawyer can answer that question. Um, I, I didn't answer this before, but I will now. If you try to hide from service, if you don't open your door and you just ignore it, there are ways you can be served that you may not realize you've been served. So if you're difficult to contact and, and to find so they can give you this uh, document, right? They can go to the court and say, we've attempted three times to serve this individual. The person is avoiding process. So we're gonna ask permission to just mail a copy of the summons and complaint. And we're gonna ask the clock for an answer, a response, start ticking. Usually it's 20 or 21 days is all you have to respond in court to what they're saying you did or didn't do. If, if you're served by mail and you don't open your mail because you're trying to bury your head in the sand, that clock has started ticking, you get what's called a default judgment against you. So it's as if everything they say that you did or didn't do that forms the basis of the complaint is true. And the judge will actually enter a default against you. So when it comes to lawsuits, you just can't simply ignore them. But I can't tell you how many people I've worked with who didn't understand that principle and thought, if I just ignore it, it will go away. And it just won't go away. So when you get that summons served upon you, right away, talk to a lawyer. Don't wait 20 days and then the last day say, oh, by the way, I better talk to a lawyer. Talk to a lawyer immediately. It gives you time to shop around. It gives you time to have your lawyer really interview you about what really happened and decide whether you have a, a good defense or whether you have a lousy defense and should just compromise the claim. So it is never good to ignore. And I feel like there's a lot of things you can ignore Maybe not even a lot of things you can ignore these days. If you get a rash, you should probably get it checked out. That's if you right. get, <laughs> if, if someone's trying to come after you, do not just stick your head in the dirt because they're probably smart enough to hire a lawyer themselves to try to get those things done. So, That's wow, right. that is amazing. I never, I never knew that. I never knew there was a timetable on this, which makes total sense. That's right. Um, so... You, what should you do right after the, the service is processed? I know you get a lawyer, but like, what are the next steps after that? Like, what do you need to discuss? Like, what information do you need to collect? What does that look like? 
Well, so for example, I have a client that owned a dog. And in Utah, there is a strict liability statute, which means that if you have a dog and your dog harms a person, there is very, there are very few exceptions. You're going to be liable for the damages, right? And so this client was sued and I, it came to my attention very quickly. And I knew that within a period of 20 days, my client needed to respond in court to all of the things, they're called allegations, that were uh, written up in the complaint filed by the lawyer. Or I could pick up the phone or send an email and say, we want to sit down and talk about this. Do you mind if we don't respond within 20 days and we try to work this out? To which I immediately got a reply saying, this is, that's fine, let's, let's discuss this. So my point in sharing that is, and I haven't revealed anything confidential about the parties or, or anything, it's, it's that there are requirements that you respond within a certain period of time, but the other side can say, it's okay if you wait, it's called an extension, they can grant you an extension and give you and your lawyer time. If you have had a problem finding the right lawyer, usually if you contact the other side and ask for a little more time, they will willingly grant that time to you, but you need to act within the time that they give you so you don't lose credibility moving forward. So what happens is after you're served, you have a period of time to respond and show up in some way. Otherwise they'll take that default judgment against you. And then it gets very hard for a judge then to overturn that default judgment. Jeez. So it, it seems like there is, people are always willing to help, but it's always important when something like this happens to act immediately. So you never get caught in a place where you do not want to be. Right. No, you don't want to waive your right to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just basically, you know, common sense 101 from a legal side, but many people just don't understand that. And I've even had businessmen, experienced business clients of mine who, under, who don't understand the basic rudimentary elements of the law, the legal system and litigation. And that's why it's important to develop a relationship with a lawyer, someone you can trust and ask the question um, early on so that you don't waive your right to have a defense. I mean, how tragic is it when you have a real legitimate defense that you don't offer in time and then you waive your right to, waive, to present that defense? I mean, that's, that's tragic. And, and that's one of the things I'm committed to doing is helping my clients not waive their legitimate defenses. Gotcha. And that rolls into just another one of the questions is what options does somebody have when they get sued? I think you touched on it a little bit, but like, is there, is there kind of a list of, of what actions can be taken? Like, do, do things need to be settled out of court? Do things like, what are, what are, what is someone's options when someone gets sued? When someone gets sued, they have, they have the whole spectrum of op options, mm -hmm. right? Um, many people see the world black and white, cut and dried. So if, if you, let's say you're sued for, for $100,000, which is a lot of money, right? They think, well, I either pay zero or I pay $100,000. And I really, there's really nothing in the middle. And that's just not the case. There are a myriad of defenses. There are laws dealing with uh, personal injury, for example, that require that there's a certain percentage of the fault not be um, committed by the person who's claiming in order to recover at all, right? If they're more than 50% liable for the injury, they can't even collect under some laws in some states. And a lawyer is gonna know and understand what those types of requirements are. And so when you go into a lawsuit, when you, when you have someone make a claim against you, it really is an opportunity to understand what they are alleging 
for your lawyer to see what evidence you have in your defense, and then to work on a resolution. I see myself as a problem solver, a legal problem solver for my clients. This is why I got into law school in the first place. One was to represent the citizens and defend their rights, and the other was to solve problems. And so I'm a, I'm a professional problem solver, and I love helping people solve their problems. And a lot of times, it doesn't end up at the $100,000, it ends up at 25, or it ends up at 10, but somewhere in the middle because you've proactively worked with someone who knows what they're doing, who can present your case in a way that you know, is persuasive to the other side, and, 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 and things line up so you can resolve it short of the 100,000, the black and white, right? The zero or the 100,000. I love it. So you pretty much, you just need to get a lawyer involved. You don't need to be scared to ask for help because if you don't ask for help, it's just going to be so much worse for you. And I just can't imagine a world without kind of those resources. That's even if, if you are at fault. That's even if you've done something wrong. The, the way the system is, it's, a, it's an adversary system. So both sides take extreme polar positions. And many times the truth is somewhere in the middle. So many people make the mistake and think, and think, oh, I did something wrong. I mean, people I know, family members, have, have, have broken a, a law by speeding on the freeway or something, right? And they've come to me and they've said, well, I, I was speeding. <laughs> and I say, well, okay, and who hasn't sped before, <laughs> right? <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you plead guilty to the citation necessarily. Now, maybe if it's your 15th one in a row in the last three weeks, then maybe you don't have much of an option. But many cities have a policy where on the first ticket, they will let you take a course and pay a small fine, and they will dismiss the case if you keep your record clean for a period of six months or a year. And then it doesn't go on your record and affect your insurance rates. The people don't, people, black and white, you know, hey, I did something wrong. I have no defense. I've got to, I've got to pay the fine. It's going to go on my record. I'm going to pay a higher insurance premium for a long time. Don't realize that there is a way many times to mitigate that, even if you're technically wrong. And so a lawyer who's experienced will know how to deal with that, advise you on that, and get you a better result than if you were just to say, well, I did it. I'll plead guilty and move on. And now some person's sense, some people's sense of right and wrong, they just say, I did it. I'm going to pay the full consequence. And that's fine. This is America or wherever you're listening. <laughs> but in most cases, a good lawyer can help reduce the impact of a mistake that people make every day. And people make, I make mistakes every single day. <laughs> and fortunately, as a lawyer myself, I know what's at stake. That's my phrase. What's at stake? Decide what's at stake. And I know when it's important, when it's not important to get a lawyer involved. And I'd be happy to help anybody try to figure that out when it's important to get a lawyer involved. I love how you're giving people, you're, you're giving them the knowledge where there are options. You do have options. You don't have to be just stuck in the scenario you're in, which is just the beauty of, of what you do and so many, what so many other people do to help. Um, Going into our last question here, if someone does get sued, like what is what is like three things they should do immediately? Like what like what are those just like step step step? Like you should do these things before you brush your teeth or before you eat breakfast. I think the first thing you have to do is is introspective. It's it's something just some advice. Take a deep breath and understand. And, and I, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I will say this. 
I served in the legislature in the state of Utah as a member of the House of Representatives for, for six years, for three terms. Every morning, we'd stand up and we'd open with prayer, a word of prayer, and then we'd sta stand and raise our right hand, or put it over our heart, excuse me, and say the Pledge of Allegiance. Following that exercise every day, I would turn to the person on my right and on my left, and I would say, it's time to play ball. <laughs> and, and so when you're served with a lawsuit, and, and, and that's not because I didn't think that the legislation wasn't serious, but I understand that like most things in life, there is a process and, and it's much like the rules of a game, right? So if you're sued, you say to yourself, all right, this is a, this is a system situation and this is kind of like a game between me and the other side, as important as it is, and it's time to play ball. So I'm gonna be smart in this game, all right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna commit aligning it to a game, uh, ticky-tacky fouls or technical fouls or things that will put me in a bad position. So the first thing I'm gonna tell myself is it's okay, there's a process, I can defend myself. It doesn't mean I'm gonna, the worst thing I can imagine is gonna happen. That's the first thing, all right? A little bit of self-talk. Secondly, you, you want to ask yourself, what's at stake? If it's a, a very little thing, someone's saying that, you know, John Swallow owes me $250, then I probably wouldn't pick up the phone and call a lawyer because a lawyer can't do much for you for less than $250, except maybe have an initial consultation. If you wanna have that, you can, all right? So I'd ask myself, what's at stake here? And if it's something significant at all, then I would, or if it's something criminal at all, they're alleging criminal activity at all, which is very, always very serious. The third thing is you immediately get a hold of a lawyer that you trust and you meet with that person and you listen. And if you feel like what they're saying is making sense, follow their direction and, and be honest with that lawyer. What, one thing that, that people don't understand is when you get into trouble, there are very few conversations you can have privately. So in most states, a husband and a wife can have what's called a confidential protected communication. So anything you tell your wife or your husband is protected in almost every scenario in almost every state. And I'm, because I'm not representing anybody on this podcast, right? I'm, I'm not giving you your legal advice. The other protected relationship is the clergy, but there are, there are limitations to that protection. So you shouldn't count on that. And the third and most significant one in my view is your attorney-client privilege, where whatever you share with your lawyer is in a vault. It's ironclad, it's bolted shut, it's you know three door locks, you know deadbolts, no one can get into it. So you can, if you need to vent with someone and, and share and bear your soul, you can do it with your lawyer and not worry that it's ever gonna go anywhere else. I'm telling you that for two reasons. One, that you can trust your lawyer's confidence. And secondly, don't talk to your mom about it. Don't talk to your dad about it. All those conversations are not privileged. And so they can call your dad, they can interview your dad and say, you have to tell us what your son told you. You have to tell us what your daughter told you. And all of a sudden you put your dad in an awkward position where they have to tell something that may be incriminating against you. Don't talk to an investigator without seeking legal advice. Not that you shouldn't talk to an investigator, but let your lawyer manage that process and determine whether you should, in the most aggressive case, take your rights under the Fifth Amendment of our Constitution, which says that no one's required to incriminate themselves, right? Or your lawyer may say, we're fine, we'll manage this discussion and 
we'll handle it this way. And you can trust your lawyer, or if you don't trust your lawyer, get a second opinion and see what the second lawyer says. And so those are the things I would advise you to do. Take a deep breath, understand it's a game, there's a process, and then contact your lawyer. Be honest with your lawyer. It's a confidential communication. If you're not honest, your lawyer can't help you. And sometimes you don't want to admit to doing anything wrong to anybody, but you have to be very transparent with your lawyer so your lawyer can give you good advice based on the facts and not on, based on what you think the facts ought to be. Otherwise, your lawyer won't understand what's at risk, what's at stake, and will give you bad advice. And it will be your fault, not your lawyer's fault. Thank you, John. This has been so amazing uh, for all of you out there. If anyone does have any more kind of detailed questions or just kind of general questions, do you have a place where they can, where they can go to ask those questions? Right, yes, um, I have a website. It's called Ask John Swallow. Go to askjohnswallow.com and you can leave me a question and my team and, and myself will do our very best to help point you in the right direction so that you can find the help that you need to solve your problem. Because at the end of the day, that's what I am. I'm, I'm a husband, a father, a proud grandfather, and a problem solver. You heard it here. Thank you, John. Thank you.